You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can follow me at Packers underscore access on Twitter, X, whatever you're calling it nowadays, whatever the kids are saying in the streets. Uh, I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay and just ready to talk a little bit of Packers this morning. I know we got some people already in the chat. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk a little Jordan Love, break down some of the statistics and kind of see at the halfway point of the season here exactly where he stacks up. Has, has there been improvement? That type of thing. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the remaining schedule and where they stack up on PFF in terms of uh, how difficult they may be, uh, you know, as an opponent for the Green Bay Packers. But with that being said, Tim, good morning, buddy. How you doing? Good morning. Coffee's hot. Hey, that's, that's all a man needs this early in the morning, dude. You kidding that's me? Right. Let's go to the chat here. We got Jeremy in the house. We got George Klein, Red Mo, Brent X, too old for this. Love it, love it, love it, man. You guys up early. Let's see. Uh, too old for this says, mornings are for coffee. Contemplation in the PTA posse. Hey, truer words have never been spoken, my friend. Truer words have never been spoken. We're going to come back to the chat here in a minute, all right? But let's just kind of dive into it, talk a little Jordan Love. Um, I'm not going to put this one up today for you, okay, man? We're going to stay away from that. <laughs> but oh, man. It is, it is saved on here for when Jacob comes back. We're going to dive right back into it and get his take. He is the conspiracy expert. But, you know, the big talk this year, Tim, about uh, Jordan Love's the accuracy, right? And – some people, you know, hold completion percentage higher than other statistics. I, I'm kind of one of those guys. I'm, I'm kind of a finished product type person. Then dig in and say, okay, where do the problems lie, that type of thing. That may be very broad, very ignorant, but, hey, you know, I'm, I'm an old country boy. Call me ignorant, okay? But we're also going to talk about um, – we're going to talk about completion percentage. We're going to talk about catchable percentage and tar- on target percentage and talk about what those stats mean, all right? But let's just kind of dive into it here. Uh, completion percentage-wise, I'm going to drop this banner down real quick. Um, if you'll notice here, so this is according to SIS. Okay. They do a great job with analytics. Obviously, uh, Ryan's a big fan of them there with Packernet podcast as well. But as far as, um, talking about the catchable percentage. Okay. So these are balls that are deemed, uh, I, I'm sorry. No, this is the completion percentage. I apologize. So when you're talking completion percentage, okay. Um, we had to scroll all the way down to the 24 block to get him on the screen. Okay. Now, listen, I'm not trying to be overly negative here. The facts are the facts. Okay. Jordan Love comes in 36. Okay. And what I did was a minimum attempt rate of, of 50 pass attempts. Okay. So with 50 pass attempts, I love how Josh Dobbs just says two teams, (laughs) but with 50 pass attempts, Jordan Love is coming in 36. Okay. At a 59.6 percentage rate. Now I'm going to, I'm going to read off a few quarterbacks that are ahead of him. Okay. Matt Stafford, 59.7. Zach Wilson, 59.9. Rookie Will Levis, 60.3. Kenny Pickett, 61.3. Justin Fields, 61.7. Ryan Tannehill, 62.3. Uh, zero, just 62 flat. Deshaun Watson, 62 flat. C.J. Stroud, 62 flat. Joshua Dobbs, 63.2. Garter Minshew, 
um, 63.6. Uh, Bryce Young, 63.9, obviously a rookie, and Mac Jones at 64.8%. So you can kind of see where he sits, guys. According to this, minimum pass attempts of 50 Really not even starting caliber if you put all of your stock in completion percentage, okay? Now, I'm not saying that's the only thing that matters, obviously, but that's where he sits right now at the halfway point. Um, now, immediately, Tim, people say, yeah, but they've had a lot of drops, right, and all those things. Let's go to the adjusted percentage, all right? So this is catchable percentage, and let me just read off from the glossary of, I, of SIS real quick what this means, okay? Catchable is total catchable passes, including defensed accurate throws. Okay. So with catchable percentage, it's the percentage of pass attempts that were deemed catchable, excluding spikes, throwaways, and miscommunications, and including defense accurate passes. Okay. So it's including the defense accurate passes. They will deem that, hey, that was catchable if it gets defended. All right. That type of thing. Um, so with that being said, let's go back to it here with catchable percentage. Jordan Love is coming in 24th. Okay. And his catchable percentage is at 84.2%. Above him, Joshua Dobbs, or actually tied 84.2 with Joshua Dobbs. Desmond Ritter, 84.5. Justin Herbert, 84.5. Mac Jones, 84.9. Will Levis, 85.2. Anthony Richardson, 85.7. Brock Purdy, 86. uh, Just 86 flat. Tyson uh, Badgett, 86.1. Jerry Goff, 86.2. Derek Carr, uh, 86.3 and Gardner Minshew at 86.9. Patrick Mahomes, 87 flat. That's your catchable percentage. One more, Tim, that I want to get your take here, buddy. Hang with me. This is on target percentage. Okay. You're probably going, what's the difference? All right. On target percentage, according to the SIS glossary is the number of on target slash catchable throws. A quarterback makes divided by the total number of pass attempts does not include plays with no reasonable accuracy expectations such as spikes, throwaways, quarterback slash wide receiver miscommunications, receiver slips, and passes batted at the line of scrimmage. So you're removing a little bit of that, all right? So on target percentage, Jordan Love is 25th, and his on target percentage is 72.5. Then it goes Joshua Dobbs, 72.8, Geno Smith, 73.1, Ryan Tannehill, 73.2, Andy Dalton, 73.2, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, Will Levis, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell. So you can see with his on-target percentage, right, he's below quarterbacks like Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, rookie Will Levis, Brock Purdy. This isn't, and even Justin Fields, this isn't the dog on Jordan Love. It's simply to say when we talk about them potentially taking a quarterback this year, and there's a lot of ball left, right? You know, we, we know that he could turn this around he, he, halfway through the season. This last game, what was it, 77% was his completion percentage, something crazy, right? So we know he can turn this around. But it just goes to show you, you can get more efficient as a quarterback, if, even if you draft a rookie, right? Um, I hope they don't have to go that route because I really want to see them use those that first-round pick and not have to bunch a bunch of those early-round picks to get another quarterback Love to be able to see them put places, put more pieces in place around Jordan Love. We all know, Tim, this team's struggling on offense, right? It's not just Jordan Love. It's hard to get a true evaluation. But when you take into those analytics, right, into factor, it does kind of remove some of the noise and say, okay, here, here is exactly how accurate he's been. But what's your take on all that, man? It's a little disheartening when you're just looking at these numbers because there's a lot of guys on that list that are ahead of them that I – I truly believe in my heart that Jay Love is a better quarterback. Um, 
a lot, same, of those, yeah. a lot of those names and it's like it's hard to carry that torch and scream that when the numbers you know numbers don't lie and you know completion percentage is pretty important stat no matter how you break it down when you're considering your qb1 you know guys that have bad completion percentage they don't they don't tend to hang around too long at least not as starters um but i do think that like you said you know the offense as a whole is kind of kind of struggling it's almost like a it's like a car with a bad transmission. You know, we, we got like first and third gear, but we don't have second, fourth and fifth gear. So we're kind of just, you know, half driving down down the road. Um, but I think as we uh, fix that transmission and get the line uh, run blocking a little bit, get the run game going a little bit, I think uh, better opportunities. You talk about that on target percentage and the catchable percentage. You know, obviously those numbers are much higher than the overall. I mean, he's at 59% on overall completion, you know, but these catchable and on target percentage breakdowns, those got to be the plays where he had a, he had a nice pocket. We had a receiver who ran a good route and the ball placement was good. So I think a lot of these things go hand in hand. Um, But yeah, it's Jordan's Jordan's job to put a good ball out there at the end of the day, he's the one spinning it. And, you know, that's something he's got to correct. And if he doesn't, yeah, I, I don't want to see them take a quarterback in the first round either, Clayton, but I'm fully prepared for that to happen. I, I'm in the camp of, you you know, you talk about putting guys around Jordan. I, I believe that. I also believe in putting some guys in front of him. You know, we, we've got some pieces on that line. You know, Zach Tom, Elton Jenkins. Um, you know, we got to get a couple more, though. So I'm hoping uh, offensive line in the first round, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, well, I know this. Immediately when you point these things out, right, and, and we're going to talk about touchdowns, interceptions, and all that stuff, um, people go to, well, he's under pressure a lot, right? Well, the, the, he's got a trash offensive line. Guys, when it comes to the passing game, that's simply not true. Uh, the running game, hey, man, you've heard me complain more than anybody, right? You see it all over the tape. They, they've struggled in run blocking, the offensive line has. But when you look at pressure percentage, okay, um, see if you could see it here. Where's he at? Yeah, okay, so – I sorted it by least amount of pressure first. So these are the quarterbacks who have the most time to throw the football, okay, the most the most uh, protection, if you will. Number one is, is uh, Taylor Heineke with the Falcons, okay, at 24.6% of the time he's under pressure. Number two is Aiden O'Connell with the Raiders at 25%. Number three, Tua Tungavailoa at 26%. Now keep in mind those first two guys – there, you know, Taylor Heineke might have just started taking over as starter, if I remember correctly. Aiden O'Connell was named the starter as soon as Josh McDaniel was fired, right? So you remove those two because, I mean, 59 attempts and 77 attempts, they haven't started the entire year. If you remove those two, all you have in front of Jordan Love is Tua Tungavailoa at 26.7% pressure rate. And Jordan Love is at a 28% uh, flat pressure rate. So there's only one quarterback in the entire National Football League, who's been pressured less than Jordan Love. Okay, so when you hear people say that, that, oh, well, his, his offensive line's trash, you can't get a good assessment of him, that's not true. When they say, oh, the, the, the receivers are playing bad, they're dropping passes, that's why you can't get a true assessment. Receivers rung in the run. If you're talking about the end result, the score, absolutely I agree with you because that will affect the game, right? You get a big drop, you run the wrong route, all those things. Um, it can affect the game. Absolutely, it can. And, and it probably has cost us at least one, maybe two games this year. But when you're talking specifically about Jordan Love and how he's performing, all these 
these uh, current analytics that we have our hands on, you can really filter out that noise. And again, Jordan Love, he's only been pressured. There's only one other quarterback who's been pressured less than Jordan Love, and it's Tua Tonga Bailoa. And we know what they're doing in Miami. I mean, that granted their offense has cooled off here of lately, but for the most part, you know, um, they're still they're still one of the top. Well, they are. They're still the top offense in the league. But uh, as far as pressure percentage, am I off base there, Tim? Do you see anything specifically about that you want to touch on? No, other than the fact that you know Sunday we might that 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 pressure pressure rate and percentage might change in this game. Um, yeah, you know it should, now, right? it should it should and and you know but it's a good test for for this offense for sure. Um, but it brings me to this like this crazy logic is kind of a basketball logic, but back when I used to play basketball, you know, like a hundred years ago when I actually played basketball, um, we had a guy on our team that was a great shooter, but if you left him open and passed him the ball and he'd be wide open, he was missing. But the minute somebody, <laughs> the, the minute somebody ran at the guy and put a hand in his face, he would, he was money. And it's almost like, is Jordan one of these guys where like, if he's pressured, we're going to see the, we're going to see the greatness. We're going to see that mobility and that rolling left or rolling right and gunning or tucking and running. Whereas he's in a clean pocket, as we've seen through seven games here, and he gets happy feet. He's he's off platform. He's he's ball patting. He's scanning too much. It's like I almost welcome a little pressure All just right. to just to see if that's his type of game. You know, some guys. First of all, everyone does worse under pressure, except for like what, like Lamar Jackson and Mahomes, those type of guys. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many guys get better under pressure, but man, it's like we've been looking at Jay Money with a clean pocket all season, for the most part, and the numbers have been kind of stagnant and up and down. It's like let's see what happens with a little, little Pittsburgh steel curtain pressure here on yeah. Sunday. I mean, I don't know what you, what are your thoughts on that? You think there's any logic to that? That maybe a little pressure might might light a fire and spark this offense a little. It's funny you mention that because, you know, one of the plays he made earlier or, you know, last week, I think it was an out route to Tay Wicks. They were running a little wolf concept on the right side with, I think it was the pivot underneath. And he drops back to pass. He gets pressured from the A-gap. But you can't guess who was blocking there. It was uh, Josh Myers. (laughs) So he gets uh, pressure in his face and he has to change platform, right? And he has to change the launch angle down, he kind of goes sidearm underneath. Freaking pinpoint. You slow it down, and you see perfect – well, not maybe not perfect spiral, but you know how when you throw a good ball, it starts up and it comes down, right? It's not one of these lame ducks where it's spinning, you know, like I throw a football, right? Um, and it was just a dot. And then after you see that and you go, huh, man, he was more accurate there than, than he is any other time, right? It's, it's strange. And then you, you just think, okay, we're, we're reading too much into it. Then you hear – Coach LaFleur talked about it. He's like, yeah, I think he just needs to turn his brain off a little bit and just go out there and play ball and stop thinking so much. I think that's where you're getting that hop, right? He's mm-hmm. trying to trying to stay in rhythm and timing for his mechanic, and it's never. It's never on time. Right. The rhythm is completely off, in my opinion. Again, I'm no quarterback guru, but when you see a guy do a three-hop a split second before he lets a ball go that's supposed to be, you know, to the wow. pylon. Yeah. It's underthrown and got too much air under it. Um, may may have something to do with that, right? So yeah, I, the I, pressure, I think I agree with you. pressure forces a quarterback to play instinctually as opposed to Bro, mechanically. And that's, that, yeah. it's like you said with your buddy shooting the ball, right? It's the same thing. Like to, you can compare all 
you know, all sports. The thing about Pat Mahomes that makes him so great, in my opinion, is it's just instinct. He just goes out there and plays, right? And and he doesn't worry. Do you think Patrick Mahomes, when he drops back to pass, thinks, okay, I need to plant my back foot. I need to make sure my arm's up. Hell no, that dude's going out there and playing backyard ball. Him and Kelsey both. It's the same thing in baseball, man. Some of the most accurate heaters you'll ever throw from the shortstop position is when you go to when you go to cover second for a double play and the second baseman or the first baseman's off with their throw a bit. And you have to come okay. out, change your arm angle, and switch things up. It, it's just natural instinct. You've been doing this. He's been playing football for a long time, right? I played baseball from the time I was five years old until, you know, 18, right? Your instincts take over. And when you get coaches, and I'm not trying to blame the Packers coach, I don't want to say it. I'm just saying, like, I had coach, one specific coach, a great coach, knew more about the game I'll ever know in my life. Wanted to change every little thing about you, the way you throw the ball. And next thing you know, you're throwing high, you're throwing low, you're off, you know, you're thinking too much. So I, I say kudos to Coastal Floor for making that comment. Because again, guys, when they speak to the media, a good coach, when he speaks to the media, he's speaking to his team. Mm-hmm. Whatever message you want your team to hear, you're you're telling it to the media, but really you're speaking to your team. That's Bill Walsh 101 right there. So um yeah, I think you make a great point there for sure. Let's go to the chat real quick, get this cleaned up. Uh, Jim Thiessen or Thiessen? Man, I, I almost said Thiessen, boy. Little Joe Thiessen nephew in here. Now, he says, hey, I'll be at the game on Sunday if you need a special correspondent. Hey, we appreciate that, Jim. We may take you up on that, buddy. Um, we'll uh, we'll see what, what happens. This, we're so unorganized as a crew. Sometimes these things come together last second, so we definitely don't want to waste your time, but we'll keep that in mind, buddy. Appreciate you. Uh, C-Dub Irving in the house says, what up, Packer Nation? Clayton and Tim, love what you guys do. These morning shows going to get me in trouble. LOL, watching instead of working. Amen. Don't lose that job, baby. You got to have you gotta have that daddy soda money. You got to have that money for an NFL Sunday ticket, all that stuff, man. You got to protect those things. There's no doubt. Um, I like what too old for this says. He's on the same page. He said, numbers are like hips. They don't lie. <laughs> that's, that's Shakira's uh, 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 nephew there in the house. Uh, let's see. Redmo46 says, Jordan Love was certainly under pressure earlier this season, often enough, but when you watch a quarterback contemplate the dump off just to still take the dump off, that's on the quarterback. Redmo, you hit the nail on the head. I've tried to explain that and describe that all year long, and I I don't think I got the message across. You described it 1,000% better than I ever have this year. When you, you know the dump off, people think the dump off is just last second, okay, now get it off. No, it's one, first of all, how you're reading the offense, right? There's three different ways that the West Coast offense reads the defense. I should say not the offense, but they read the defense. You know, two of those ways is you're either working half the field with different concepts, right? Or you're just going through true progression, okay? With true progression, it's one, two, three, check down, right? But the goal isn't let's wait as long as we can before we check it down. The goal is to get to that check down as quick as possible because if that check down is the answer to the equation, right? then you need to get the ball in his hands sooner than later or else those guys are going to come down and close down on it. That's exactly what you're seeing. Contemplate the dump off. Let me go back to the third or fourth read. Now let me come back to the dump off. That's how you get Aaron Jones killed on the sideline there a couple of weeks ago. So, um, right. very or, good. or a completion for, for a half a yard. Right. You're back, to, you're back to the line of scrimmage and you've accomplished nothing. Absolutely. And immediately people say, Matt LaFleur is a moron. Look at this scheme he's running. Right. No, bro, there were other answers to the test downfield. And most of the time this year, I would venture to say 80, 85% of the time when I watch a play not work, it's because the timing's off 
even more so than the accuracy. So I'm more concerned with the timing. And, you know, you've heard other people talk about, you heard Jason Wildy talk about it with Mark, uh, with, uh, yeah, with Mark Tauscher um, talking about, it's just like he's not letting that thing rip when he needs to let it rip. You know, he's got the arm strength and, and some of that could be, and this goes back to the fact that we're talking about where these things, the mistakes by the receivers does play into the final score, right? There may be times where he's hesitant on letting the ball go. And that's where, because you don't know where the receivers are going to be, are they going to run the right route? Are they going to, are they going to run it at the exact spot? Are they actually lining up in the correct split? Because guys, you can be a half a yard, one yard off on your split. And when you run that timing route on the outside, because they're playing, you know, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You know, five to seven off the ball, they flip their hips. You're going to hammer that out. If that split's just a half a yard off, and you miss that pass by half a yard, it's just as much on the receiver as it is the quarterback. But that's where the analytics won't tell you everything. Um, yeah, this is a good conversation here. man. this is the type of stuff that I'm trying to understand at a different level, watching the tape, going back and listening to Kurt Warner, listening to, uh, you know, uh, Kurt Ben Kurt, listening to JTL Sullivan, those guys. Please, guys, don't ever let your ego get so far out of whack that you're not willing to listen to a former professional athlete talk about what's actually going on because there are people that are doing that right now. It, it drives me insane for sure. Uh, George Klein in the chat said, I feel like part of his accuracy problems is how the game is being called. We just kind of hit on that, George. My and, and listen, you may be partially correct, right? And I'm going to respectfully disagree from a majority standpoint, the majority of the time. When I turn on the tape, what I'm seeing is Matt LaFleur is calling a really good passing game. He's scheming guys open. Okay, Uh, that's what I'm personally seeing. I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong, but as far as the game flow aspect, and Tim, we've talked about that early in the season, not not leaning on the run early, getting in these, you know, pass happy situations on first down, uh, running those sifts and double sifts and double pulls, those type of things I think would come into factor, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. And, you know, we want to, we always talk about that, that illusion of complexity built into our offense, but, you know, at times you're, it's not an illusion. It's too complex. And you're asking guys to do things that they're not accustomed to doing. And it's a fine line. You know, you want your best out of your players and you want to get a player to do more, but man, like, I, you know, we could, we could talk about the gadget plays. Like we, we talked about too. We were a little upset about, you know, why are we asking a first year, you know, third or fourth string running back to throw a, a pass across the other side of the field to and a then, receiver. Then expecting Tay Wicks to do it too. Right? Yeah. And then it's like, that's just as crazy as, you know, sending, you know, DeGuara on a sift or sending, uh, you know, Josh Myers pulling after snapping the ball. I mean, there's just, you know, and I think, I think coaches realize that. I think there's enough tape yep. and we've had enough issues that, oh, lo and behold, these last couple of weeks, we're mixing in a little more spread, getting getting away from the condensed set all the time. Um, right. You know, we're asking a little less of our old linemen here. Just mm-hmm. keep it simple and, you know, block that guy or help out here and then get back to your spot, things like that. I mean, you're right. I mean, Chalk Talk was great because we saw a couple of those where it's like, holy crap, Josh Myers really blocked the hell out of that guy on that play. And it's like, well, yeah, because all you asked him to do was block that guy. Right. You didn't ask him to do three other things. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I like LaFleur. I think the play calling um, has improved the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, timing is a thing as a coach, too. When is the right time to call this play? You know, we, we learned about that. You know, these call sheets, down, distance, time left on the clock. What is the situation? And I think LaFleur has really fine-tuned that with this young team. And we're starting to see – the right play call at the right time. And then lo and behold, these guys are executing too. So I think the offense will continue to trend upward, hopefully here as we progress. Yeah, I think so too. I do. And we're going to talk about their pressure right here in a second. Definitely want to hit on that about Pittsburgh for sure. Uh, Reb Mo 46 in the chat says, Jordan Love needs a pocket watch. Whether it's a big ball or a check down, he's got to be more prompt with getting the ball out. I agree. And he knows that too. He's, he's talked about that, right? So, um, for sure. Chris in the chat said, good morning, y'all. I like this up here, man. Goose said, good morning. We still live? Goose <laughs> Goose must uh, must have a little Bailey's in the coffee this morning. I don't know, man. Yeah, we're still here, big dog. Sometimes he's up there. You might think we're still on from, from uh, PTA oh, right. last night or something. <laughs> hey, last night got out of control. I I, I borderline wanted to uh, hop, hop in here and apologize, but I, I got to be honest, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from people. I had a blast <laughs> last night. So. It is what it is. But again, good morning to you, Chris. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, here we go. Jarrell Lee in the chat says the communication from Valentine was elite. I'm watching him and Anthony now. Yeah, dude, that that really fired me up. When I came across that on Chalk Talk, I was like, look at this rookie out here, dude. Just and listen, leadership is not given, it's taken, right? Like, you can't if, if someone else has to anoint you the leader, then you're not the real leader. Yep. A leader leads by example. That doesn't mean shooting your mouth off and being the loudest person in the room. Nine times out of 10, the loudest person in the room has the least amount to say. But it means consistently doing your job, letting your teammates know, hey, you can depend on me. And then in a crunch situation, when the game's on the line, not after the play has been made, now I'm going to be loud, vocal, dance, and hey, look at me, look at me. It's in the heat of the battle, you saying, I'm going to step up here. Hey, look, I remember this on film. Watch the flat. Watch the flat. Take the dig, take the dig. I got deep. That's exactly what I've seen Valentine do. Very exciting stuff. And, and, and the best defenses have 11 guys that do that. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that attitude. It's not just, you know, you, you can't have 11 leaders, but you can have guys that play like it 
Absolutely. You know, guys that are communicating. Like I said, our our defense against the Rams, man, that pretty much as a whole was communicating. Yeah. And that's why we saw such good play. I mean, you can talk about the backup and all this other stuff, man, but yeah. No oh, doubt. snap. Amelia. Look at this. My man just dropping in here. Look at you looking all fly. That jacket. Queen Mo's, what's up? What's up? <laughs> How you doing, dude? I'm good. So, seen the morning show got off, so I thought I'd pop in here. Get talking about last night again. We'll get off we'll get off track real quick. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll just flash this up here for you one time, Amelia. Right there, bro. Uh, the profile, man. I'm telling yeah, you, that's, <laughs> that that should be on the half dollar. That looks like the. It does. Looks like the, I'm, I'm calling that the George Washington profile shot forever. <laughs> I love Bill Belichick too, man. As soon as I seen that video, I went, God, wow. a good picture too. He had his shirt on in that picture. We like that. What <laughs> yeah. showing off them lats? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Amelia, are you hanging around for a little bit, or you got to run? Yeah, quick? I can hang around for about five ten. All right, cool. One thing, one thing I wanted to say about what Jarrell pointed out there too, and we were talking about communication, caring to Valentine communicating. Um, as a business project, I had the opportunity to sit in on a Coach Shashevsky. Coach K used to coach for Duke basketball. It's funny too. Anybody who knows me knows I absolutely hate basketball. Like I think it's the worst sport in the history of the world. I really do. Um, but when you get an opportunity to go study Coach K and one of the most successful coaches in the history of one sport, no matter what the sport, I don't care if it's cricket, whatever it is, right? Um, so we get to sit in on a private practice and then go have lunch with him. That private practice, seeing how structured they were in their practice, they gave us a copy of the practice schedule and just watching them to the T, bro. I'm talking about it was so militant. The ball boys, there was probably eight ball boys on the court, on the edge of the court, and they all stood with with the ball on their hip. And whenever he would blow the whistle to talk to the team, they would all take the ball and hold it straight out with the Duke emblem out towards the players. And then if he needed the ball, he'd just point at the ball boy and they he'd throw the ball, they'd replace the ball, and they'd go right. I mean, it looked like the freaking changing of the guard, right? But the big thing I came away with was he blew the whistle one time. And I don't want to discredit Coach K at all, but, I mean, anyone – Anyone who pretends like these coaches don't use colorful language, you're kidding yourself, right? <laughs> um, no matter how respectful they are or whatever. He blew the whistle, and he walked over to one of the players. I'll never forget it. And he said, uh, we're not communicating. We're not talking. We're not talking. And it was like he did, he wasn't happy with them and the level they received the message. And he blew the whistle again and walked over, and he said – he walked to one, one single player. I can't remember who it was. But he said something along the lines of – he said – when you're not talking to your teammates, you're in your SHIT, right? Mm -hmm. He said, we need you in our SHIT like that. Mm -hmm. And do the next play, blow the whistle, they run the drill, everybody talking, chattering, talking, chattering. It was absolutely awesome. Same thing there, Tim, with, with Valentine for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, <laughs> again, can we can we just one more time? He He's a rookie, guys. He's a rookie. A seventh round draft that might be the steal of this draft, dude. Yeah. At, at the end of this year, we may be looking at that. Um, but yeah, man, communication is key. I'm with you, man. Basketball was has been dead to me since about 1999. Yes, same time period. Um, <laughs> there's a great clip out there I saw, um, of Ray Lewis talking about that as well. When he uh he said, I quit basketball when I was 17 years old or something in high school, he was talking about he said the game was too soft for me. It's true, man. <laughs> I can't play this game's too soft. Um, but uh yeah, man. Hey, I just love seeing um, you know, you can coach up communication, you can stress it, 
but like you said, leadership, um, you know, there's some debate. Are leaders born or are they made? It's like, I think it could be both. Some guys just, they step up, you know, leadership is something you take, man. You got to take leadership and be accountable uh, for yourself and for your team. And um, Valentine sure is showing those flashes. I, I see him as a future leader in that secondary. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Emilio? No, that's it. Um, we've been talking about it. The fact of that two minute clip that he that he produced, man, just from that one interview, he said just about everything we needed to hear. Um, you know, if you're saying the right thing, but going back to the communicating, man, <clears throat> even playing the cross, it's the same exact thing. You got five, you know, six people on defense. You got to talk, man. You, you, you hum the ball around in a circle. You see who's cutting. I mean, there's so much going on. If you're not talking, you, you are, you are basically on an Island and you can't have, you know, 11 different islands out there on the field or else we're not going to get anything done. Um, and that's why they're always talking about doing that one eleventh. you know, get the whole team has to, you know, get it done together it can't just be one person it's not just uh not just a talent you know yeah no doubt about it man it, it, it all has to come in in unison together uh red in the chat says that secondary is young but they're playing with some real chemistry love to see it and again guys i was as critical as anyone mm-hmm. or at, at, on brian gudekas trading rasul douglas i think it made the team weaker i think you lost locker room presence all those things you won't really know how it affects the chemistry until the team loses, right? Obviously, we come with a win. Chemistry is always good when you get a dub, right? But yeah. um, I, I could be proven completely wrong, man. If Carrington Valentine comes out here and balls out, you got cheaper in your secondary, and you picked up a pick, although I think you guys know how I stand. I don't want to harp on it. I think it was horrible, <laughs> horrible comp for, for Russell Douglas. But with that being said, um, man, so far, so good, right? right. So if you see it, you got to say it. And when you're wrong, you need to say you're wrong. Right now, it's early, but I'm looking like I was wrong on that for sure. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Jim says, I'm right behind the Packers bench, closer to the 20-yard line. Do right. me a, a favor, Jim. Shoot me a text on our text line at uh, 865-658-5824. Again, 865-658-5824. Um, I'll try to put it in the chat here while someone else is talking. And uh, we might have you hop on during the pregame if you're if you're not busy. We're going to do a pregame show, so uh, you can hop on. Give us just kind of a live shot there. So appreciate twenty you. yard lines, nice man. That's where that's where I was at for the Jets game. I can't believe Tim was there, man. We should have linked up. That would have been a crazy. Little... That's crazy. <laughs> but no, it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, Jarrell Lee says Rudy J O Anthony Johnson. No need to draft the safety. I don't know, man. I don't know. You sure about that? <laughs> Yeah, well, I should have hit it. We'll, we'll see. Um, I understand where you're going there, right? I love Rudy. You guys know I'm I'm a yeah, people are gonna find out I'm related to Rudy somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that'll work, but they'll find out somehow, some way I'm related to Rudy. But uh yeah, as far as Jonathan Owens, I'm not a huge fan of Jonathan Owens, although big play last week completely set the tone for the defense all day long. Anthony Johnson, I think he did some good things. Uh, tackling, obviously graded out really, really bad tackling. But, again, he was playing free safety, last line of defense when they were playing those spinners, those cover one looks, things like that. So, um, let's see, man. You know, you may be right. We may look up at the end of the year. They extend Rudy. We go, all right, go, guys, we're all right at safety. Right now I'm having a hard time accepting it. You know, if you made me bet the farm, I'd say I'd probably go, nah, we probably need to draft a safety. But we'll see, man, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, might might put us in a position to not have guys that we, you know, remember we were working on Tariq Carpenter 
um, yep. for the longest. And it's like, oh, hybrid safety linebacker maybe. And then it's like, you know, I, I, I spoke about Ennis Gaines. Ennis Gaines is kind of a corner safety hybrid you know, maybe maybe drafting another safety puts us in a position where we don't need to ask guys to, you know, do double duty. And yeah, if we're solid on the back end, our corners look good. We don't have to we don't have to mix and match as much. Um, I guess time will tell, though. You know, we'll see. Right. And Tao's only on that one year deal, too. Right. So and I would be fine with the later. Yeah. round. I mean, we don't need to jump on a first, second round safety if, if that's the case. I mean, I'd be fine with, a, you know, third third or later sort of thing and just have him step up. Not like Anthony Johnson was a first rounder, you know, so. Yep. Absolutely. For me, it's all about those positions of importance, you know, left tackle, interior defensive line and edge. I think we're all comfortable with the edge room right now. I feel like we're okay there. Okay. So we addressed it again this past draft early. So I think what we're probably going to be looking at is, is left tackle, Interior defensive line again until you get one that's dominant, right? And this is where you got to kind of admit when you make a mistake. And and me personally, if you're going to be concerned with having a a traditional one to three tech that can play the run and get after the quarterback, we still don't have the guy yet. Okay, in my opinion, inside linebacker. That when you move to tier two, you've got inside linebacker, right? I think we all feel pretty good about Quay when he's healthy. Obviously, Devondre Campbell having another great year. Looks like he's returning back to that all pro form. It's still early because he's been banged up, but we'll see how that goes next is safety, right? So when you look at that safety position, you go, okay, if you're picking wherever you're picking at and you've got someone in that current tier of value, right? They're in the, in the top, top current tier on your draft board and it's the safety position. I'm okay with pulling the trigger because that's, that's a definite need, right? The other thing though is quarterback. Hopefully by the end of the year, we know if Jay loves the guy or not, if he's not, that takes priority over everybody. Again, every April, two drafts. There's the NFL draft, and then there's the NFL quarterback draft. And quarterbacks are typically valued one tier higher than their actual grade. It's that important. That's the way GMs look at it. So and we're going into a quarterback heavy draft class. Absolutely. As well, so right. yeah. not, what, that, not that that really means anything, right, Tim? We've seen it in the past. It's like, oh, right. yeah, it's going to be great. And they all flop. We've seen others where we thought it was going to be weak. But yeah, everything on the surface says this is going to be. One of the better ones. Go ahead, Emilio. Mm-hmm. No, I was just saying, but you know what would suck is like having to actually use all that capital on getting a QB. Like if Jordan right. Love isn't the dude, like we got to spend what, three, four picks, you know, to move up, find a spot. If we could use that for bettering the team itself instead of just finding one person, you know, there's still there's still 22 guys that go on the field every, you know, offense, defense, I guess 33 if you want to call special teams, you know, so it's not like. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like it's just one person that's going to do it. It just would suck having to use all that capital to get one. But no, I, I, I 100%, it is a strong quarterback class. And if we need to, let's do it. Um, just, you know. Now, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, man. Like, we want Jordan Love to be the guy. If he's the guy, the cap hit we have on him next year, then you yeah, can right. get ahead of the contract extension, too. You've got everything set in place. That's the best case scenario for sure, man. I, that's why I'm, I'm rooting him on, dude. I want to see him turn it around and. And continue to build off what he did last week, man. It was a great step. Uh, Steven Smith in the chat says, happy Veterans Day to all my brothers and sisters. Amen, Definitely. amen, amen. Definitely. You know, it's it's amazing the, the day that we live in that sometimes when you try to show, you know, show praise, thanks for people who have sacrificed their lives and continue to sacrifice their lives for the, you know, protecting our country, people almost look down on it, you know. Listen, I am – you can be pro-warrior – and, and, and anti-war, right? And that's how I would consider myself. Um, you still fought 
I don't want to see one single war. But, boy, those people that put their life on the line out there, they got my, I mean, undying support. I'm just telling you right now. Um, it's just, it's humbling. I, I get emotional thinking about it, so I'm just going to move on yep. because the fact that other people will be able to sacrifice time away from their family, put their life on the line to make sure I can sit here and do a stupid podcast and not have to worry about somebody kicking my door in uh, yep, that, right. speaking a different language, you know, I just I can't can't thank them enough, man, for sure. But thank you, Stephen, for the reminder there, bud. We appreciate you. Uh, George Klein said, I solved Love's accuracy problem when we're playing from behind. He's 57.2%. When he uh, when we're tired, he's 55.6%. Uh, but when we're ahead, he's 68.3%. So we just have to always be ahead. LOA, it's that easy, guys. Right. It's that easy. And he meant tied there is what he meant uh, when we're tied, not tired. Um, so, again, you come out and run the ball a little bit and try to jump out to a lead, Tim. Things change, man, <laughs> when you're playing from ahead. Yeah, and that was my concern seeing this Rams game. You know, we had this lead. They had a field goal on the board, and I'm like, all right, is this team going to – are they going to, you know, trick this lead off again like they did in Atlanta? You know, what – how is this team going to play from ahead? We haven't seen it in a while, and yeah. then we saw what we saw. And, you know, that's a telltale sign of, a, you know, our defense, man. You know, it's okay to say it, guys. We have a top 10 D for all intents and purposes right now, and they they didn't give up plays. Um, you know, we kept everything in front of us, and and we, you know, built on that lead, kept giving the ball back to our offense. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was 20 to 3 on the final. I think the game, you know, probably was a little bit closer to that. We had that little last, not garbage time, but, you know, game was probably already over with when we got that last score. But the point is, is they didn't blow a lead. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what yeah. you want to see. So, you know, this whole second half, oh, they're a second half team or, you know, we're a comeback team. Look at the comeback win against the Saints. And, you know, that I don't want that identity. No, I want to get out and boat race you from the beginning and and three and out you the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. That's, what, I, that's mm -hmm. what I'd like to see. You know, have some command. We talked about that. You know, Jordan Love having command of this offense. We finally saw an offense driving down the field with, you know, some method to it. And then a defense that was just consistent in making plays. Like, that's how you win games, man. That's how yeah. you win games. Definitely. Um, let's see here. We've got a Chris in the chat said we need to draft heavy O-line and D-line after first-round quarterback, of course. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, O-line, D-line, you can never have too many. There's no doubt. Um, and, again, if Jordan isn't the guy, you got to – and like Paul Brettel pointed out, if we are picking around the number six spot, which is where we were, uh, you know, projected to pick, when Paul brung it up, it would take trading the number six, according to the trade chart, okay? It would take trading your number six pick and two seconds to be able to get up to the number one spot, I believe he said. So there you go. Just cool. keep that in mind. It's, uh, it, it is that important, though. If you can get the right guy, if you can get Pat Mahomes, if you can get Tom Brady, if you can get Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. all the you know, and that's what you think those guys could potentially be. You're you're drafting someone in the top three and spending all that draft collateral, hoping, saying, okay, that our analytics, our scouting department is saying this guy is the guy, right? Or Andrew Lux, people like that. Our RAS score says this. <laughs> Tim, what are you gonna do? It's too early, bro. I'm <laughs> just saying, man. I'm just saying that seems like a lot, a lot of movement, a lot to give up. And they're going to try and take this. I'm telling you, I'm calling it the, <laughs> the boy from USC is a bust. He is a I don't, bust waiting to happen. I have said it since the off season. 
Man, I'm just like I said it since last year. I'm like, there's something, something's not right here. Something's not right. Man, um, somebody's gonna they're gonna they're gonna sell the farm to get them. I'm telling you, and they're not gonna like it. And I hope to God it's not us. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right, let's see. Omar in the chat says Rudy Rudy's earned his extension. One of the bright lights this season. I agree. You know, we want it to be reasonable. I don't think he should get you know top ten safety money. But if you go to him early, like I said last year, you could probably get him a two or three year extension, throw a little extra guaranteed money in there, and have a very very reasonable cap hit. Yeah, right. we don't want a savage situation all over again, right? God. Yeah. Well, that's it. Rudy kind of leveled out his, his roller coaster kind of, of of PFF grades. You know, he was kind of up, down, up, down, up, down, and he's kind of leveled that out this year, which I love. You know, he's he's really been stepping up to the plate and, you know, a time of need there. But, um, you know, it's exciting to see. I think we do need to at least, like, like Clayton always says, let's get someone in there that we know is produced on the field. We can get a floor for our, you know, for our room, and then we can go from there. If we see a safety in the draft, we do that. If we see one in free agency, we can chase that. Um, but let's set a let's set a base. Yeah, definitely. Creed in the chat says, "Going to respectfully disagree. Safety <clears throat> safety is our Achilles heel on defense. Rudy Ford has played well, but he was a free agent signing primarily a special teams player his whole career. We could use another. Um, I think, like I said, if Jordan's the guy, and we have the top you know the top talent on the board when we pick is hands down. Hey, this guy falls into top tier talent, and he's a safety. I'm totally cool with taking him." Because if you couple somebody like that with Rudy Ford, if you do give him an extension, now you've taken that weak spot and turned it into a positive, right? Turn it into a strength, if you will. So, um, yeah, good stuff there, man. And, and look, that's what we want to. We want people who disagree, man. That's 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 how you have good conversation and you do it the right way. That's what's up, man. But you're in here for sure, Creed. All right, let's see. Uh, let's get ready to wrap this thing up. I want to hit on the rest of this Jordan love stuff real quick. We're at the 43 minute mark. We're going to get out of here before an hour guys. I'm telling you, I'm making it happen today. All right. right, We're on Lombardi time today, which by the way, if you look at that background, I don't know if you guys know this story or not. Oh yeah. That clock right there. I know, you know, Tim, you, you, you know, every single thing about the history of the green Bay Packers. Do you know, (laughs) you know about this clock? The fifth, uh, I don't know about the clock. I know about the 15 minutes early. Let me hear it. So this yep. clock right here on on the uh, the facade of Lambeau, right? That's like I said, that's the entrance. Me and Mandy always go in. Our our boxes are you go up those elevators, go to the left, and we're sitting in that left corner of the end zone. But that clock is always what is it? Fifteen minutes early, Tim? Is that right? That's right, Lombardi so, time. Yeah. So they they set the stadium clock to Lombardi time in honor of him. We know how Ricky Bobby would say, "If you ain't first, you're last." Well, <laughs> Lombardi would say, "If you're not early, you're late." That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Tim. You can be second, you can be third, hell, you can be fourth. Yeah. <laughs> now we need some Talladega Knights sound bots in it. Yeah. We just gotta find a clean Grab a bag of Fruit Loops underneath the ride and go. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's such a good movie. All right, back to Jordan Love. We're gonna wrap that that talk up real quick here. We're gonna we're gonna do this if I can. All I see is Bill Bell. This is all I see on my images that I'm trying to share. That's there. I'm trying yeah, to rather look at that one than the other ones. <laughs> all right, so here we go. Let's talk about touchdowns. All right. Um, these are the touchdown leaders in the league right now. Okay. Um, so obviously we can't get to the one spot to be able to see Jordan Love on the list. I'm not trying to take a shot there. I'm just being honest. All right. Look at Emilio down there. I love it. <laughs> so Jordan Love is fifth ranked, currently ranked 15th in the league in touchdown passes. Okay. With 11. So ahead of him, just to kind of mention a few names here uh, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Brock Purdy. Jerry Goff, they all have 12. And then it jumps to Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert at 13. 
than C.J. Stroud. Guys, C.J. Stroud is what I'm talking about with a rookie quarterback. Imagine drafting the next C.J. Stroud this year and look at how the team changes, okay? Just saying. 14 touchdowns and only one interception for C.J. Stroud. Like, this guy's making a case to be the MVP this year. Y'all realize that, right? I don't know if we've ever had a rookie win NFL MVP or not, but could you imagine? Like, I mean, seriously, it's that's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. 14 touchdowns, one picks. All right. Then you got Sam Howe at 14 and nine. Um, then you've got it jumps to Jalen Hurts at 15. It jumps to Russell Wilson at 16. And then uh, Pat Mahomes at 17. Of course, it goes on and on. But again, man, that's that's that would be wild. I'm I'm kind of a closet CJ Stroud fan for sure. But again, Jordan Love coming in at 12 touchdowns. I'm sorry, 11 touchdowns. And he has six interceptions. You guys know coming in the year, I said if we can get a one to two, actually, I said 25 touchdowns and only 15 picks, this team's got a chance to make the playoffs, right? Well, he's looking like he, he's getting close to a two-to-one ratio here, right, on touchdowns to interceptions, especially that last game there, getting that tutter and no pick. If he continues to protect the football, man, uh, this could get really, really exciting. So uh, I was actually reading the wrong one. I'm sorry, it's 12-8, and eight, so 12-8, and eight, not 11-6. and six. I apologize. It's small for me, too, here. Um, that's what she said. Justin Fields, uh, like I said, at 11 and six and Jordan Love at 12 and eight. So what do you think, man? I, I, I take this stuff. Like I said, let's let's do this. Let's sort it by interceptions and I'll go around the horn here. OK, most interceptions in the league. Josh Allen at nine. Sam Howell at nine. Mac Jones at nine. Jimmy Garoppolo at nine. Then you got Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love with eight. So, again, Jordan Love, 12 touchdowns, eight picks. What do you think, Tim? Well, he's in good company, right? Yeah, I no mean, doubt about it. <laughs> you know, those are big names. Pat Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's for the wrong reason here in this, what, what we're looking at. But I think it does It does show you, you know, you show me a quarterback with, you know, low low interception rate, I'll show you a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball, doesn't doesn't take chances, doesn't take mm-hmm. shots. Um, but, yeah, man, um, I think we, we, we've talked at nauseum about Jordan's accuracy. And, um, you know, it's important to remember, too, that not all of those, you know, the quarterback always takes the hit with the interception stat. And I can think of off the top of my head, probably at least two or three that are not on Jordan out of these eight that he's thrown this year. And matter of fact, looking at Mahomes with his eight, I I remember one game that he threw three picks and two of them were not on him, you know, so passes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Or or a or a bobbled ball by a receiver that turns into an interception um you know we've even seen receivers complete a catch and just simply get the ball taken out of their hands by the db um which you know at that level there's really no excuse for you gotta you gotta play tough play strong um but yeah man it's almost astounding too that you know seeing mahomes and hurts up there um you know josh allen leading the league in picks that's almost not surprising to me because that guy is um i don't know he's sometimes he he's brett Favre reincarnated out there really is watching him um, you know, so yeah, man, I think, uh, hopefully Jordan, uh, moves down on this list, <laughs> not, not up, um, by the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. What, what do you think, Emilio? I mean, if, if he is, I mean, if Jordan, if everyone's saying that Jordan is, you know, the Josh Allen or that's Josh Allen is his comparison, I'd be fine. You know, if he's going to end up at the top with all the picks, sure. Whatever. I mean, we, we've been used to it. We've seen, we've seen a hundred interceptions, you know, it's not like, uh, <laughs> It's not like we're not used to seeing them huck it around. So, uh, but everyone that's trying to say, you know, it's Josh Allen comparison from going bad to being good. 
I, I'd be cool with it if that's what happens. But you know, let's yeah. see it. Let's see it turn up. But going back to C.J. Stroud, I mean, he's got 14 touchdowns in his rookie season, you know, and Kenny Pickett's got, what, 13 and two? So yeah. he is he is making it happen over there on a team that needed some real love. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's exciting to see. Like we said, if, if you're going to sell the farm to get that quarterback, it's got to happen like that where you get some production out of it. That's going to make a difference for your franchise. Um, you know, you're not going to want to spend all that just to get – a run-of-the-mill sort of thing. Definitely. So the last stat we'll hit on um, is uh, passer rating, and Jordan Love actually comes in 30th here with an 81.9 uh, passer rating. Okay, so just to kind of put that into perspective, so according to accuracy, he's at the very bottom of the starting list, the starters list, right? Um, rating, same thing. Uh, Touchdown-to-interception ratio, pretty similar, right? I mean, he's in the top what? Definitely the top 10. Of, uh, of quarterbacks with the most interceptions, that type of thing. And he's got the, the second – the second uh, he's second on the list for the amount of pressure he's actually received. So um, just all things to take into consideration, right, and mention. So uh, with that being said, let's get ready to wrap up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this one comment right here real quick before we go. I think it's a great question if I can find it. There it is. Bang. Nick McSwain said, anyone know if the center or quarterback is more responsible for setting O-line protections? Hopefully Myers or Love are getting better at identifying defenses, LOL. Okay, two things here. This this week it's going to matter, okay? And we're, we ran out of time, so we'll talk about Watt and Highsmith's pressure rate tonight on Packers Total Access Live. But with Nick, McSwain, or with Nick McSwain's comment here, when you play Pittsburgh, they're running a 34 zone blitz defense that's going to be exotic. You're going to have a lot of the edge rusher dropping back into coverage on fire zones and vice versa. You know, one of the reasons that they don't have better numbers in Pittsburgh between Highsmith and Watt is because most of the time when you're in a 34 base, one of those two guys, unless you're playing a jam front and bringing five, they're dropping into coverage. I know people like to pretend like Joe Barry's the only person that does that, but every defensive coordinator that runs a 34 base, especially a zone-heavy, uh, you know, uh, defense, you're going to have those edge rushers drop into coverage from time to time. But with that being said, your protection call here, right? Josh Myers has been setting the protection, but this last game, did you guys see the video? I would love to play it. We'll probably get hit with a copyright strike. Jordan Love comes to the line, right? And he's getting ready for his cadence. He's kind of surveying. They show a little sugar on the left side. I think it was either the B or the C. Jordan calls out a signal and points him out, and he reset the mock on that play. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. He's getting there. I that needs to happen him, every down, though. Absolutely. I want him to be the authoritarian figure when it comes to the final decision of setting the protection. The reason it's so important, Nick, is because if Josh Myers sets the protection and Jordan's looking at something else and Josh doesn't set the protection correctly, whenever you identify the mic, you're saying, okay, there's the center point. There is the impact zone of our pass block here, okay, our, our, our pass blocking scheme, if you will. So when you set the protection and then all of a sudden a guy blitzes that the center wasn't anticipating blitzing, if the quarterback doesn't know exactly where the protection is set or he wasn't paying attention right when it was set because he was looking at the secondary or what have you, you can get a free runner. In every situation when you set the protection, if there is a free runner, that's on the quarterback. He's got to know where the free runner is. He's got to know if they bring everybody here, that guy's a free runner and I'm responsible for him which also may trigger a little hand signal 
to the guy in the inside slot or the flex Y, whatever it is on that side, to let him know if that guy fires, you're my hot, which means they're looking to the ball, right? The tight end's lined up. He's looking over at the ball. The ball snapped. If he sees that guy rush, forget your route, get to the open space, get hot, and give him a safety valve. So um, hopefully that answers your question, Nick. But I wanted to hit on that because that's the stuff I nerd out over. But let's go around the horn here. We're going to do it. We're going to get out of here on time. Tim, final thoughts, buddy. Uh, more on Jordan Love, man. Uh, let's see another good game this weekend. He's going to get uh, pro- probably his biggest test so far this year. Um, like I said, other than uh, Detroit giving him all he could handle. Um, I'd like to see, we know we made fun of Justin Fields back in week two when he said, I need to think less and just, uh, you know, we kind of roasted him for that. But it's like, you know what? I look at, I look at Jay money right now. And I think Jay money does. I think when it comes to the mechanics side, he needs to think less, man. Trust, trust what you've worked on all off season, all preseason. You're continually doing this now, working on your, your game, trust the arm, trust your legs and just you know, cock back and let it rip, man. You know, you don't you don't need to make the extra read, even if you have time. And like I said, I, I got a feeling he's probably not going to have as much time as he's accustomed to um, on Sunday. So uh, looking for Jordan to just um, go ahead and trust it, man. If you, you know, you always say if you see something, you got to say something. It's like, Jordan, if you see it, you got to sling it like you can't. You know, we talk about these checkdowns and these swings. You know, if we look back at that Rams game, man, every time he hit one, it turned into something good when he when he hit it on time and um, it turned into a positive play when he was late on it. It turned into a nothing burger or a loss of yardage. So um, I'd like to see him maybe think less is not the right term. Maybe it's just get out of your head a little bit, you know, get get out of there a little bit and just just trust it, you know, play instinctual football um, because points are going to be a premium in this game, both sides of the ball. So uh, I think it'll be a low scoring you know, battle of the trenches kind of game. And hopefully Jordan can just uh, trust, trust his skill set, trust his reads, trust that pre-snap, post-snap read, and just play your game, man. Just throw that ball and play your game. So um, that's what I'm looking for on Sunday. Got it. Go ahead, uh, Emilio. What you got, big dog? Yeah, just to jump on Tim's there, the just loves just got to play loose. He's just got to play like he's in the backyard. Just, dude, just don't care. Let it hum. That's why I think he's, you know, kind of thinking too much on the deep ball. He's trying to place it instead of just let it rip. Um, but then going back to setting the protection, the only thing that worries me about against the Steelers is it seemed like they like to run a lot of NASCAR sort of looks where there's a lot of up and downs, up and downs. Yeah. So I just hope that our O-line and Jordan Love are all on the same page because you get three dudes standing up, two of them are bouncing around, you get Miles Garrett doing the crossover, you never know what's going to happen. But if they're not on the same page, if they don't know who the mic is, it could be a long day up front, and we don't need that because everything starts in the trenches. So um, the, we just got to make sure they're all on the same page. It's going to be loud. It's going to be probably a little chilly. Um, the towels are going to be waving, so I'm excited to see them. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'll tell you one way you can combat that, too. Play a little more spread. Play yep. a little more spread, and you can – I mean, it sticks out like a sore thumb who's, who's blitzing and who isn't, right? When you got those condensed looks – you're playing right into their hand where they can really disguise in the A and the B and you not know who's coming for short. Um, let's see here. Final, final comment. We're out of here. Omar says uh, um, best podcast online because the PTA posse rock and no other forum. You'll find such knowledgeable Packer fans than here. Completely agree with the second part, Omar. Um, you, uh, everybody in the chat, I've, I've learned just as much from the chat on this being the host than actually hosting the show. I promise you that. 
Um, love the fact that people are wanting to learn. And people, I, you know, so many times people bring something to the table. We never would have even talked about identifying the mic and setting the protection, how important it is with this 34 zone blitz we're going into play if Nick McSwain hadn't brung that up. So uh, yeah. that's what makes uh, so it make being a fan so fun if you can get around your ego and actually be willing to learn from each other and respect each other and be okay with disagreeing as long as you do it in the right way. And uh, that's that's what it's all about. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here. Emilio, it was such a, such a blessing having you on here, dude. Pleasant surprise. Yeah. Tim, appreciate you hopping on, man. Always uh, always enjoy having a cup of coffee, coffee with you for sure, man. Take this home with you, all right, right here. <laughs> Think about this all day. Just study it. And uh, see if we can come up with yeah, a real answer. Probably get back to us on the uh, on the update there. <laughs> exactly. All right, we're out of here, guys. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you. Well, hold on a minute. Let me make sure I didn't overlook anybody. Nope, no super chats. We're good. Appreciate everybody in the chat hanging out with us for sure. And for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go.